Welcome to our latest In The Know podcast, where we're going to be discussing investment matters with one of our investment partners. Today, we're joined by Ed Parks, who is the Chief Investment Officer at Brooks McDonald Asset Management, um, a long-standing um, relationship of, of ours at Lucas Feathers & Partners. So welcome, Ed. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon to have a chat about some um, all things market related. So um, I've, got, I've got to start, haven't I, in this week with, with the budget, um, which we had on Wednesday. Um, from a planning perspective, it didn't really have an awful lot of an impact. Um, it's really the status quo as far as that's concerned. But from an investment perspective, what impact do you think some of Mr. Sunak's announcements might have? I think, as you say, the, the, the status quo element is is largely what we've seen in terms of uh, the investment backdrop as well. I mean, a lot of what we saw in terms of, of additional stimulus was really an extension of the things that we'd uh, we'd seen before. So, for example, um, you know, the stamp duty holiday, uh, furlough schemes, uh, universal credit uplift, things like that, which would been uh, done before. And, and that really does show you the context that uh, that Chancellor Sunak was was uh, working within. It is a very different economic and viral backdrop than he would have uh, particularly wanted. And I think, you know, there was talk last year of potentially doing some form of uh, fiscal tightening. And given the fact that UK is still in lockdown, it really wasn't uh, the time for that without being a global trailblazer for fiscal tightening, which uh, isn't really the thing uh, you want to do uh, in the backdrop of a pandemic. Right, so you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with any of any of that at all. It, it was a bit of a surprise, I suppose, that he deferred some of the the taxation for twelve months, effectively, with um, the increase in corporation tax. Well, absolutely. I mean, the the increase in uh, corporation tax soon coming in in April uh, twenty twenty three. So, I think this again reflects the fact that there is a desire for const- uh, you know uh, constraint over time, uh, but the current backdrop is not one where you can afford uh, to uh, to impose additional costs on companies that are really really suffering. And uh, a lot of what we saw this budget as is is almost as a bridge over some of the uncertainty over the next six months. So you've got some of the hardest hit sectors such as hospitality, uh, leisure, uh, bricks and mortar retail, things like that. And um, a lot of this is about making sure that those companies survive into uh, the economic expansion uh, rather than anything else. That's kind of one of our one of our key takeaways uh, was that this is almost a bridging budget. And that's why a lot of the pain has been deferred. So do, do you think that the because he also introduced this this sort of super boost, didn't he, mm. whatever, whatever he called it, with um, <laughs> additional um, offsetting against profits of uh, was it 130 percent or, exactly, cost or yeah. something um, clearly designed to encourage investment and investment in the right in the right things. Do you think that might lead to um, more UK company investing or more foreign investment, perhaps? So this is um, around plant and equipment, as, mm. as I read it. So this is kind of about your old-fashioned, as it were, uh, capital investment. So I think the uh, the OBR, uh, who the uh, the Office for Budget Responsibility, who kind of uh, help provide the numbers to the Treasury, I think they estimated there'll be a ten percent increase in uh, investment, which is 
quite substantial. Um, but, you know, if you think about a lot of the services businesses that we've got in the UK, uh, they are, you know, less likely to be buying those types of investments. So I think it will certainly um, act as a boost. It will definitely bring forward uh, investment, which will be a a, a positive for uh, particularly, ma you know, manufacturers of, of, of capital goods. Um, but it probably isn't a game changer, uh, given the services focus in the United Kingdom. What, what about the fact that um, there's been an awful lot of talk about needing to invest in our infrastructure, mm. um, you know, broadband, that, that sort of thing? Surely yeah. that, that's what this is possibly designed to do, get more of that I going? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, uh, things like that um, should certainly come under um, under this. But I, I think the the context of, uh, of of the budget was about the fact there isn't this you know this increase in taxation uh, that some had uh, expected might occur. But a quid pro quo of that was that we didn't have massive investment in some of these blockbuster infrastructure plans that uh, that had been talked about. So I think absolutely there might be some investment around the side, um, uh, uh, you know, as a result of the super deduction. Uh, but in terms of the big, um, you know, the big, you know, headline grabbing um, stimulus stimulus. Uh, we, we haven't really got as much of that looking forward. We've we've gone and got a six month bridging package, uh, which is a substantial number, um, mm. uh, all, all included, but it's probably not. We haven't yet seen the budget, which is about propelling ourselves out of the uh, out of the pandemic into the recovery. No, we've seen that we've seen massive government investment around the world, haven't we, over the last 12 months with, you know, come with governments putting so much money into their economies to keep them supported because of the pandemic, that you'd think would potentially lead to inflation. And what we've seen over the last few weeks, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, is that the markets seem to be a little bit more concerned about increasing interest rates, and that's being reflected in bond yields at the moment. Would would you agree with that as a statement? I mean, that, that's that's a hundred percent true. I mean, the the rapid rise in in bond yields has been the thing that's really uh, been disrupting market sentiment over the last few weeks. And as you say, there's this kind of this big debate in markets at the moment, and it and the debate goes as follows. I mean, in, in the post-COVID world, we're likely to see um, a pickup in inflation, and that inflation um, is is relatively easy to achieve because the baseline, so the year-on-year uh, numbers uh, contain numbers from a pandemic. So uh, the, there will almost inevitably be a short pickup in inflation. But the, there are two camps that um, uh, that have kind of set themselves up. One, that this will be a temporary move into upwards in terms of inflation. This will move away and we'll go to the post-COVID world. We'll look very much like the pre-COVID world in the way that interest rates, growth and inflation all remain uh, quite low. The other camp is that this will be a sustained backdrop of inflation. I mean, we are we are more in the former, but actually, regardless of which camp you're in, uh, the the fact is the debate is happening, and there are strong forces on both sides. And as those uh, as that kind of debate is worked through in terms of uh, market prices, uh, that's creating the volatility at the moment. Right, and because this this rise that we've seen in bond yields is is also impacting on the equity markets, isn't it? Absolutely, and and you know we we've seen quite significant market volatility, particularly in the high growth uh, areas of the market. So uh, technology um, equities in in the United States, for example, are, are are your most obvious. And the reason for that is that growth companies. Um, uh, you know the, the the attraction of a growth company. Take Tesla as your your you know classic example. 
Mm-hmm. The story about Tesla is not that it's going to make lots of money in the next year, two years, three years. If you are an equity investor believing in the bull case for Tesla, you believe it's going to be the market leader in 10, 15, 20 years time. And yep. therefore, in the, kind of the, in the valuation for that company, uh, the way kind of financial markets work, you have the, uh, you know, big expectation of earnings in, in 20 years time discounted now uh, for, for the uh, or discounted back to today. And what that affects means is if the cost of capital is effectively zero, earnings in 20 years time are worth about the same amount as uh, as earnings now. If, however, the cost of capital increases, they're worth a lot less. And as we yields start to rise, um, and you know, we, we shouldn't get, you know, uh, you know, exaggerate the amount of movement we've seen we've seen quite significant movements probably like you know about half a percent of movement uh which in the in the context of uh history isn't that great but it is no. big if you're if you start at one percent uh 10 year yeah. yield in the us uh so we've seen this kind of disruption go through uh growth stocks in particular it has created a lot of volatility and there's a lot of talk as a consequence of this that the the days of the value-based investor might be coming back would you concur with that as a theory so, yeah so, so i think you know if we go back to that inflation narrative and mm. and the two camps you know if you believe you're going to see uh, low growth and low inflation for the foreseeable future next year or so aside uh, yeah. a growth uh, will continue to outperform if however we see a cyclical recovery supercharged by that fiscal stimulus you mentioned um, earlier then all of a sudden the cyclical equities will do really well and there will be the areas which have been quite unloved like energy like uh, resources um, consume, uh, some of the consumer stocks uh, they, and, and the outlook for all of that uh, will improve. I mean, our view at Brooks McDonald is it's very early uh, in this debate and it's too early to say. And, you know, last year we had a a growth bias in portfolios, but by the end of the year, we were focusing on building balance. And I do think 2021 isn't the year to, you know, try and make heroic swings of the investment bat. It's about it's about balance. So we in portfolios have got some cyclical exposure in areas such as Asia, ex Japan, particularly, and the UK. And then we've got our growth equities. So particularly things like technology, healthcare, sustainable investments on the other side. We're very much a barbell, because I, I think it is going to be a tricky year to navigate. Right. Because certainly if you look, go back to the start of the year, I think an awful lot of people were thinking that 2021, we'd see a good, strong recovery. Markets would respond very positively. Um, and we saw that at the start of the year, but they've tailed off a little bit recently or become more volatile recently. Would you expect that volatility to continue over the next few months, Ed? I, I would do, and 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 it is because of these two camps, kind of, uh, you know, it, the, the tectonic plates are are crashing against each other, and that is creating the volatility. And, and we won't work out for quite some time uh, whether uh, there is this economic scarring, and therefore growth will be low in the future. We won't work out mm. a lot of this uh, for the time being. But the debate taking place in markets is creating that volatility. And as you said, right at the start of the year, we started 2021 with you know the normal optimism we all start a new year um you know the economic growth was going to be fantastic the vaccines were rolling out uh and and it was all going to be it was going to be a straight line in terms of uh the recovery and then people thought about the second order consequences so interest rates inflation etc but also the vaccine rollout hasn't been even 
uh, globally. We've got some you know, real leaders uh, such as Israel. We've also got the UK and the US of kind of vanguards of the large company uh, countries, and we've also had Europe, which is is behind the curve. So I think it, it it's kind of part of the um, the volatility we're seeing in markets is a realization uh, that. Uh, 2021 might not be as smooth or simple as uh, some had hoped at the start of the year. So we had we had last year where we had the the impacts of the pandemic. We had uh, we hadn't yet had Brexit. We now have got Brexit, of course, and we also had the American presidential election last year, which influenced markets. W- what do you see as being the major influences this year? Do you think? So uh, I mean, th- this year it's going to be about. Uh, the recovery, what happens in terms of the recovery, and particularly what happens in terms of government and central bank support as the recovery uh, starts to avail itself. And this has been very much in vogue over the last week or so. I mean, one of the big questions has been uh, what will the Federal Reserve do in the face of rising yields? And this is you know, very topical. Mm. Um, however, it really does just bring up this broad issue, which is policy error in 2021. And it is very difficult for governments and central banks to decide when to take away the punch bowl and when to provide stimulus uh, when things are changing. In in some ways, in March 2020, it was re- fairly simple. It was a you know, an unmitigated economic disaster. And, um, uh, and there was basically no reason not to go very big uh, with a lot of stimulus withdrawing that stimulus is very tricky. And I think over the course of this year, that interplay, and it's, it's, a, it's a balance that every individual economy is going to have to do, the likelihood of, of someone not getting it wrong is, is quite low, sadly. Mm, and that's mm. going to be the big challenge this year. Going to be very, very difficult, very difficult. Mm. So if we, if we take you know, the, 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 the core things that most advisors, clients will be invested in, which will be you know, a combination of equities, fixed interest, perhaps a little bit of property, um, maybe maybe some cash. Where do you think they should be looking to put their money this year? Because it's very, it's, it strikes me at the moment that the fixed interest, I've been saying this for some time, actually, mm. the fixed interest market just looks a little bit toppy to me from a capital point of view. And so, yeah, it's, it's, so is are, are clients risking a loss of capital by retaining exposure to fixed interest? So you know, the, the simple bond mathematics of this is if you buy a 10-year bond, it's not quite true, but it's, it's, it's largely true. If you buy a 10-year bond and you see a 1% increase in yields, uh, you will see a 10% capital loss. So the, the numbers yeah. involved are pretty large. And mm. we, we do forget this because of the fact that we've been in this bond bull market for what, 30 years or so. Yeah. It feels like it, it's a very strange backdrop and it feels like it's kind of a one-way uh, situation. Uh, so I mean, our view is whilst we think um, bond yields will ultimately be contained probably by action from the central bank but also a realization uh, that the recovery won't be quite as smooth as some had hoped whilst we do uh, think all of that we do think that bond yields will rise moderately and with the you know the, the interest payments the coupons you're getting from uh, government bonds in particular being very mm. small uh, there isn't a huge amount of room for error so I, I think you know the, the, our prospect for 
uh, UK and US government bonds um, in terms of the the total return a client could receive are, is pretty muted. It's probably negative over um, a one or two uh, year time horizon. You know, we don't have high conviction on that, and that's why we don't really um, uh, we don't really own a huge number of gilts. We've moved that into credit where we see more value. But go, going to your your core mm. question, which is kind of that that big asset allocation question: equities mm. versus bonds. Which one uh, will provide uh, you know uh, more security for for investors? Now, clearly, equities are volatile, um, but there is a huge amount of cash uh, still on the sidelines. The Federal Reserve uh, look at a measure of money market funds, and there are still about twenty percent of of U.S. GDP is held in cash by institutions and individuals, uh, and that it's significantly raised um, from uh, where we were at the start of last year. So that's money looking for a home, and that might be used in, in M&A, so it might be used in by companies buying things, it might be used by individuals going into the market to try and get a return. But if you're sitting there and thinking, okay, well, um, I've got a pot of cash, uh, where could I put it? Well, you could put it in cash where you're getting pretty much nothing um you could put it in government bonds where you're probably now in the us getting 1.5 percent um less than that in the uk but either way below inflation levels you're not Mm. you're losing money in real terms or you could put it in equities and even in the us which is one of the most expensive equity markets um out there you're getting around a four percent earnings yield so that's looking at the earnings you can expect over next year divided by the price today and obviously there's risk there but i do think that the the relative valuation argument is very supportive for equities over bonds at this moment in time. And that's sort of why we think even when uh, valuations are are fuller in the markets at the moment, uh, people looking to put uh, their cash to work will be looking at equities more than they'll be looking at bonds or other instruments. The problem, of course, is that the typical private investor is perhaps a little bit more cautious than that and see equities as being very risky, don't they? So it's um, it's getting that message across that over the longer term, putting money into the equity markets is likely to deliver a higher return than most other asset classes. Yes. And, and, and you know, uh, to add on to that, the if you're buying a fixed interest security, uh, you know exactly what you're going to get paid. You're going to get your paid your interest and then you'll yeah. get your capital back at the end. If you lock in a 1% uh, return over ten years in a in a in a fixed income product, um, and you know inflation is going to be give or take two percent. Uh, mm. You're locking in a, a minus one percent return per annum. Whereas mm. with equities, you've got the possibility of of of, of you know adding above inflation. And obviously, there there's risk to it. But this is this is part of the the, the odd world we're in mm. uh, post the financial crisis. I mean, it, 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 people describe it as financial repression, various other. Uh, terms, but you know, if you if you look back to two thousand nine, um, you know, immediately people started putting money into uh, into treasuries and gilts to initially, um, looking for safe haven. Then the yields on those came down massively, so people put money into investment grade bonds. Then the yields of those came down massively. Then people started putting money into uh, income producing uh, equities. Those came down as well, and we've kind of had it, it almost. To, to get a return now, you do need to take more risks than you took in the past. But that doesn't mean in and of itself that returns have gone away. It's just that there aren't any free lunches out there at the moment, if we're being honest. No, none at all. So the, gen- the general theme, theme would be that um, if people are thinking about 
investing cash at the moment, and they potentially should be looking at doing so and into the equity markets, a properly researched portfolio, such as one that Brooks McClellan might put together. Um, and the, over the longer term, they should, in actual fact, prove to be okay. Yeah, I, I think I think you know this is this is the it's the important point is you need to have a uh, long enough time horizon for some of the uh, the vagaries of the stock market to be kind of ironed out. And you know, for for us, you know, asset allocation is absolutely essential. And that relative valuation argument is why we have got uh, you know a an overweight position to equities at the moment in time. It's not because we think the valuations are a steal and we're buying them at best possible value. It's it's we're trying to maximize. Um, the clients return within a risk budget and that's where we can see the best uh, returns versus the risks at the moment but of course if that changes and, and bond yields start to rise and there are genuinely other options out there that's when uh, we could start to uh, to look at alternatives and, and again you know I'm referring to history quite a lot here but if you mm. if you cast your mind back to the uh, the tech bubble, so 2000. You know, we, the earnings yield on on US equities is very similar to what it was now, so four to four and a half percent. However, you could buy a US 10-year uh, bond at seven percent. Now that is is a genuine other option. If you you know you could go out there and say actually the, the markets are pricing in too much good news, I can go and buy uh, buy that buy that bond and uh, and secure my money above inflation for time being. It's it's not that world out there, and um, that backdrop actually does reduce the risk in equities uh, because people do have there is that money on the sidelines. If we see a retrenchment in equities, um, you know, market fall by ten percent or so um, in the short term, then that, that money is likely to come in and be put to work and support the equity market in a way that it wasn't true probably in two thousand, uh, where if equity sold off, it was still over the next year or so, you still get more money investing in a treasury or gilt than you would in the equity market. Hey, that's that's very very interesting. Thank thank you very much. I, I'm going to draw this to a, draw this to a close now with just one final final question, and that's to do with the strength of sterling, which seems to have strengthened from in so from what I can see over the last few months since the Brexit, mm. um, since we've come out of the economic humans. Do you see that? Do you see that continuing? And what impact might that have on equity returns? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because the um, the initial reaction after the the Brexit deal what uh, was quite mooted, and 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 actually what I think this is more uh, playing out on is the progress that the UK's had in terms of the vaccine rollout. Expectation that uh, the economic recovery in the UK will be faster than many uh, global peers than uh, than uh, the Europe in particular, um, and and that is probably going to mean the interest rate will go up in the UK faster than the market expected. I, I think for the time being, it, the the rises will be will be held on to uh, rather than be added to meaningfully from here. And that's because I think this there's a certain amount of which the the advancement in the in the vaccine rollout and things like that are a temporary factor. By you know, in six months' time, um, adults will have been vaccinated in most developed market uh, economies. So there's a bit where the UK is probably having a bit of a head start, but it's not a sustained um, outperformance driven by high productivity or some form of, you know, a unique selling point. It, it, it's it's a bit of a temporary factor. So I think it's probably here to stay, particularly given how undervalued uh, sterling was uh, prior to all of this. Um, but, but probably upside move from here is probably a bit more contained. 
Excellent. Well, I really do appreciate you having spent the last half an hour or so with us, Ed, on, on current markets and your views. Very much appreciate it. And perhaps we can have you as a guest in one of our future recordings. Certainly. Thanks very much. Thank you. I hope you found that conversation with Ed Park from Brooks McDonald of interest and um, took something from it. Um, thank you very much for listening this afternoon or this evening, whatever time of day you happen to listen to your podcast. And we hope you'll join us again for a future in the know.